0: Welcome to Inside Outside Innovation, episode 110. Shayna Stigler is Chief Empathy Officer at the startup Betwixt, that's focused on enhancing communication and trust between coworkers. She shared some insight they've gained on how to jumpstart and measure this growth, as well as how improvisation is integral to startups. IO Innovation is the podcast that brings you the best and the brightest in the world of startups and innovation. It is hosted by Brian Artinger, founder of Next, a provider of research, events, and consulting services that helps innovators and entrepreneurs build better products, launch new ideas, and compete in a world of change and disruption.
1: You know, essentially what we're serving to do is to try and understand the ways in which the nature of work is changing because of the rise of remote work and the rise in digital collaboration tools. And what we've kind of seen over the past couple of years um, is that, you know, as we're becoming more and more remote and more and more distributed, I don't know if you've heard the stat, but... um, you know fifty five oh fifty percent of the workforce will be remote by twenty twenty which is just crazy yes. um And, you know, with this becoming the new normal, we are becoming more dependent upon digital tools uh, like Slack and others like it as a means of collaborating and working with each other. And, you know, this presents kind of a new host of problems that we've never really had in the workforce. And we're reaching this really interesting point of trying to define what the future work looks like when we are um, existing and working in Exclusively digital environments, and when you don't have, um, you know, the the opportunity to look at somebody across the desk from you, when you when we aren't spending mo- the majority of our time um, in physical proximity with each other, um, and when we don't have the benefit of uh, physical cues and vocal cues that you would get if you were talking with somebody face to face. Uh, it makes it a lot more difficult to communicate. And I think a lot of us are are experiencing that. I was just reading this article this morning about um, you know, tech lash, which is um, the backlash that we're facing with our our relationship to technology. And um, you know, I think that's being felt really acutely uh, in our social circles, but I think mm-hmm. it's being felt even more aggressively at work. And um, so at the beginning of, uh, 20 oh gosh 2016 I think Google came out with this really interesting study that they had done on their internal teams. So essentially, what they sought to do is to understand what are the contributors for higher levels of productivity and innovation within co-located teams. So these are teams that are working together with each other. Uh, Physically together. Mm -hmm. And what they found that, you know, it didn't really matter how often the teams were meeting or what the leadership structure was really like, what they found was that the number one contributor for these outperforming teams, so teams that are having high levels of productivity and innovation also had high levels of psychological safety, which is essentially, I feel safe enough within this environment to take an interpersonal risk, which is, of course, the breeding ground for innovation, right? I have to feel safe with you in order to feel like I can raise my hand and say, hey, Brian, I've got kind of a crazy idea, but I feel like it may just work. Um, And so they kind of walked away from that piece of research, you know, saying, while it's one thing to build that level of essentially trust or emotional connection within teams that are spending physical time with each other, it's a completely different thing to do that in, a, in an exclusively digital work environment. Right. And so that's what we have really set our sights on, um, trying to answer that question. How do we use technology as a tool to help bring us closer together? How do we, when we're working with people across the globe, or even honestly, if we're working with people across the floor from us, if technology is intermediating our communication with each other, how do we make sure that 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 technology is also allowing us a way to get to know each other and build rapport? So what we're learning is that the success of our work is literally dependent upon our ability to trust each other. So how do we do that within digital tools that were honestly not built for that? They were built, you know, you look at something like Slack. It was very much built for making communication more efficient. Um, Which efficiency is, um, you know, definitely something that is helpful in a work environment. But uh, building vulnerability, building trust, building rapport with somebody is by definition an inefficient system. It takes time over time to really know somebody. So, you know, how do we kind of reverse engineer these new digital work environments that, that we're all working within and really excited about? How do we essentially reverse engineer them to make sure that we're not kind of losing our sense of connection in the process. And that's really what we aim to do. We're trying to understand, you know, how does, how is trust built in an exclusively digital environment? What are the things that need to happen for us to feel like we trust each other? And how do we understand that, um, you know, trust is not something that can be built overnight. Trust is something that takes time. And we have try to continually ground ourselves in the real world and in the in the human examples really understanding you know what theories um exist in psychology and sociology and human behavior about relationship building and trust building and how do we map that um to our these new digital environments that we're you know spending all of our time working and living within
2: well i love that you're tackling this particular problem and and the other thing I like about it is you, uh, you're a t- technology company, but I don't think you come from that particular background. If I, if I remember right, or past conversations, you kind of started your your path into this innovation and, and tech space um, in a little bit different uh, path. Like I think you oh, yeah. had <laughs> some experience in in comedy or, or improv and that. So why don't you tell the audience a little bit about how did you get into a place where you're kind of tackling these big meaty problems and technology uh, startup, um, but from a different angle?
1: Oh, yes. We are uh, kind of a a band of renegades a little bit, our team is. <laughs> um, I mean, first and foremost, our, our leader, our CEO and founder, we call her our chief instigator, which I think is incredibly mm-hmm. appropriate for her and for this problem, uh, is a lit philosophy major. She then spent her career in... Um, in strategy, she worked for, you know, some of the biggest brands like Capital One and Yahoo and Hilton uh, in building their strategy. But she is kind of the perfect marriage between, you know, essentially being able to ask the right types of questions in the right types of ways and also being grounded in, lit in literature and philosophy that allows her to apply, um, honestly, a much more human approach to technology than what we've seen before. And for myself, I mean, I, I am a musical theater major, which is probably the weirdest <laughs> um, entry to tech that you could have. Um, I also spent some time um, working in innovation, working in advertising. I also, I, I say that I was trained in improv comedy. That was my school, uh, if you will. And um, what that has kind of allowed me to bring into my role as chief empathy officer is um, a sense of experimentation, a sense of play, um, a sense of, um, you know, really active listening. Um, I sometimes do corporate and improv workshops for different organizations, and there are countless parallels between business and improv and technology and improv. I mean, this whole, you know, move fast and break things notion, or, you know, being really scrappy, being able to, um, you know, build and test really quickly. Uh, A lot of those models exist in improv and theater as well. Um, This idea of, you know, being able to ask the right types of questions, um, you know, being dedicated to um, the pursuit of the journey and not necessarily focus on the end goal um, is something that is a huge part of improv and is prevalent in the work that we're doing now really you know, wanting to approach technology from a much more methodical and mindful place. And, you know, it's really interesting. I feel like we're at this, again, going back to this notion of the tech lash, and we're at this really interesting um, moment when we're really starting to define the role that technology should hold in our lives Mm -hmm. and making sure that that relationship is one that is enabling as much of our humanity and as much of our empathy as possible. And, you know, kind of what we're seeing in this tech clash is a lot of the same brains who created the problem tasked with fixing the problem as well. And I think, you know, one of the strengths that we have as a team in the technology industry is having a diverse enough um, uh, perspective and backgrounds to be able to approach these really difficult, really heady problems from, um, you know, some really interesting places. And I think individually we all bring in kind of our, our weirdo nonlinear backgrounds <laughs> to be able to look at this problem from a different way and to apply um, different types of theories and different questions that um, haven't really been asked in this space before. And I think this is uh, a particularly um important time to have diversity of perspective and diversity of thought and experience when we are defining what what the future of tech really looks like and you know what the future of tech looks like in our social spaces but especially in our working spaces Mm -hmm. and you know we're reaching this really interesting intersection of you know within um corporate structure is this focus on culture and really what culture means and how do you support an organic dynamic culture, how do you make sure you don't lose sight of it when you're doubling and tripling in size, you know, every year, Um, with also this conversation around how do we make sure that um, technology can really be used as a tool to enable the best aspects of being human. And I think it's, it's no coincidence that these two conversations are happening simultaneously. And we we're kind of straddling those two thoughts and really saying, okay, well, if our goal is to, um, to make work something where the, the people are at the center of it and really making culture something that can be incredibly organic and dynamic, how do we also make sure that technology can be, um, can serve those goals and right. make sure that um, you know we're really using technology as, as this tool to do the best work that we can with each other.
2: Well, I think it speaks to the trend of in workplace in general that people, given the the changes in technology, changes in markets, changes in business models, that the the workplace itself is going to have to become much more adaptable, and the tools are going to have to change to become more adaptable. But the, but more importantly, the people have to become more uh, diverse and 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 capable of, um, you know, seeing things and doing things differently than in the past. The, the days of kind of having one job for 20 years and, and doing the same thing and just optimizing that are probably gone, right. um, at least for the majority of folks out there. Um, so what are you seeing out there as far as uh, how, how does this actually work? i um, what are some of the case studies that you're seeing that uh, uh, of how this is playing out in real life.
1: Yeah. So from a practical perspective, our product, you know, our philosophy is essentially if the goal is to build trust within teams, if that is really the indicator of, um, of good work, which I think on a very cellular human level, most people think, oh, that makes a lot of sense. Of course, (laughs) like when you're being a good human with other humans, you make good work together. That just, it just kind of makes sense. Um, So our, you know, we took a step back and said, well, how do we reach that? How do you, how does trust manifest? And so we really serve to be a facilitator or a curator for conversation within groups and within teams. So we use questions as a mechanism to do that. And our questions are inspired from things like, um, you know, personality trait assessments like Myers-Briggs or Big Five. Um, We also have a ton of questions that are sourced and inspired from uh, writing prompts, Mm -hmm. Um, which honestly are some of my favorite questions. The one we got this week was, you know, you land in a new city with five bucks um, and nothing else in your pockets. What's the first thing you do? (laughs) Um, So we really try to look at how do we use questions as the initiator for good conversation? And how do we make sure the questions are allowing for you to be showcasing in a safe way uh, different aspects of your personality that your co-workers may not have access to generally. And, um, you know, we've modeled our approach based off of um, this theory that exists. It came out in the 70s. It's called the social penetration theory, which basically says, you know, people are like onions. You have to peel one layer at a time to get to the center. And the joke is once you get to the center, everybody cries. Mm-hmm. Um, But uh, the psychologist basically, um, you know, essentially said that there are three components to kind of reaching these more vulnerable states of who somebody is. Um, So you need level, uh, you need to have consistent interaction. So we ask a weekly question. And again, I should say that our product, uh, we're a Slack first company. So We are available for download on the Slack app directory. So we're super easy, um, low friction um, installation process with the ideas that we will be expanding to other digital collaboration tools. We want to be wherever teams are working. Um, So, you know, you need three... Kind of key ingredients to get to um, get to trust or get to vulnerability. So you need consistency of interaction. So we use a weekly question to engage conversation, and this is all happening within Slack. Um, the second thing that you need is reciprocity, which uh, is a huge thing for us. Reciprocity basically does not exist online right now. Uh, you have two modes of communication online, which is broadcast messaging, so me shouting to the masses, or voyeurism. So I can go online and kind of stalk you and gain insight into who you are without having to give anything up, right. which, as we all know from being uh, human adults who hopefully have a lot of successful relationships in our lives, if you don't have reciprocity in your relationship, it's it's recipe for disaster. So uh, we bake in reciprocity to our product by saying only people who are willing to answer that week's question are allowed access to what everybody else said. And we really think it's important to, to make that a hard and fast rule to say that, you know, if we're asking people to be vulnerable, you have to be vulnerable in order to get to gain the insight from somebody else being vulnerable. Um, and of course, if you are out of office that week or can't answer that week's question, you're of course able to get in on the next week. But for that conversation, we only want people who are willing to engage in the process. Hmm. It's an important part of building trust. If, if, you know, if one side is being vulnerable, the other side, sh- side should be vulnerable as well.
2: well I imagine you uh, can, then, you can actually then start measuring your, your team effectiveness and, you know, which ones are working together, which ones are answering questions, which, you know, ha- you can see over time how that like, would, would help. Um, understand how teams are working together better and and from that
1: essentially what we're assessing is contribution Mm -hmm. so you know we've really tried to design a a technology product that is not uh, our goal is not for you to be on our product all day every day right our goal is for your interactions with you know our bot but uh, more importantly your team to be mindful so how do we look at um at contribution how do we really understand how much people are contributing to the conversation which uh is a site is a tricky thing to track um
2: well, I, I think that's totally in- interesting because you know you do look over the last five years you know software companies specifically use that metric of engagement and how much time does a person use my particular software as a, as a measurement of success or, or failure of the product but i think we are moving towards more of a seamless integration with technology that you know, it may actually be better <laughs> the less you use a particular product. Um, and, and so the fact that you're cognizant about that and, and thinking about different ways to measure success around uh, adaptation and, and um, use of your product is kind of interesting.
1: Yeah, we try to be really, really cautious and conscientious about that. And it's really interesting. I've had um, in some of our conversations with our our pilot testers and our beta clients, you know that's obviously a commerce a question that everybody has you know how do we know how do we gauge engagement and um what i try to tell them is you know i don't necessarily need people to be um, having a back and forth for 4 days that is uh that isn't really um vulnerable or intimate and people aren't really sharing, having people back and forth being like, yeah, okay, like definitely, it's <laughs> not a, a key metric for understanding good engagement for us. Um, I'd rather have a day an afternoon of really focused, like in-depth conversation. Um, that to me is much more valuable having maybe less but more um, robust exchanges as opposed to longer shorter, um, more surface in, um uh, exchanges. So we've really tried to be mindful of that in terms of of understanding, you know, how do we know how do we know that this is working? How do we know that teams are in conversation? How do we know that they're engaged and you know, just a simple back and forth doesn't really tell you much. If I'm just saying you logged something, I logged something, you logged something, I logged something, that doesn't necessarily say that we're having a good conversation. You and I could be sending, you know, quick one or two word answers. And that, that isn't a key, um, you know, that doesn't really tell us that that we're engaging versus (laughs) that, you know, Brian said a paragraph. I said a paragraph. You said a paragraph, and it it maybe only lasted for thirty minutes to an hour, but it was much more meaningful to the both of us.
2: Right, the same thing. I mean, goes with social media where you're, you know, just because you thumbs up something or liked something doesn't necessarily mean you're you have an engaged audience or, or whatever.
1: Yeah, and that's you know, and back to kind of the model that we're using to build what is essentially a digital trust model. Um the the last component of that so we have the consistent consistency of interaction we have the reciprocity piece and the third piece is you know these conversations have to be progressive so we've really tried to look at how do we over a long-term engagement create um, enough psychological safety within these conversations to help the group feel like they can progressively uncover more more intimate more personal topics with each other So, you know, the idea is not to go from zero to intimate over a couple of weeks, the idea is that over a long term engagement, over consistent reciprocal engagements, this team feels like okay, you know, I've built up enough trust with Brian to be able to ask him a slightly more personal question. Now I want to hear about, you know, something that he holds a little bit closer to the vest. And the reason I feel I can do that is because we've had this consistency, because we've had this reciprocity and because the exchanges that we've had have been truly meaningful. So we've really tried to understand, you know, how do we over an engagement, move this needle on trust and do it in a safe way so that everybody feels like they have the opportunity to, um, to engage more, more deeply and more meaningful with the people that they're spending their time working with.
0: That's the end of another episode of Inside Outside Innovation. Thanks for listening. Special shout out to Shana for taking time to speak with us. If you want to learn more about our team and the content and other services we have to offer, check out insideoutside.io or next.co. That's nxxt.co. Until next time, go out and innovate.